Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Babel UK's very own Newcastle United podcast, Time Warp. Started off in the summer, did a few episodes, but got left when football came back, had a bit more things on my plate. However, I'm Aaron Heintoff, I'm still here, and I'm back with two new guests. We've got Harry Roy, who is the Deputy Premier League Editor, and we've got Alex Wood, who is a contributor for the Newcastle United office. So, how have you both been, Harry? Good, good. Happy to get some football back this weekend and hopefully Newcastle don't ruin our weekend like they did last time out. So. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Alex, how you been? Yeah, just keeping busy. Um, yeah, uh, same with Harry. Hopefully we get a good result this weekend. Uh, as we know, England didn't give us the results we wanted over the international break. Yes. Um, and it's a perfect way to lead into the internationals. We had a, a handful of players off. Not many of them got very good results or put in many good performances. So we'll start off with probably the most important one, which was Jamal Lewis away with Northern Ireland, equalised in the 90th minute, uh, but then got beat uh, in extra time, which ultimately sent Martin Dubravka Slovakia through to the Euros. Did any of you see any of the game? Caught a bit of it. I was kind of flicking through when uh, I think England were three 0 up against Ireland, so I thought, "Ah, oh, we're going to win. It's going to be mm-hmm. relatively boring." So I switched on to Northern Ireland, and I seen the uh, the conceded late on. But I think Slovakia are a, are a better side. I think the the good thing for for Newcastle in this situation is that Jamal Lewis hasn't got injured, and we've gotten back fully fit, ready for Chelsea. Because I think we are going to need him this weekend. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Because he didn't even uh, he only came on as a sub against Austria. Uh, 
Yeah, I seen he the played, other day as well. I seen he only played fifty five minutes, but I wasn't too sure whether he, he started that game or not. But thankfully, I think, yeah. the, I think the manager over there realizes that. I think the game against Chelsea at the weekend's a bit more of an important one than a, a Nations League yeah. game. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Unlike the uh, the Paraguay manager who is refusing to send Almiron home despite being suspended for their next game. I thought he was um, he was getting sent home because he was suspended, but I, I, does, yeah. he, does he not, not send them back? <laughs> no, he's, uh, I saw pictures of him training. I think it was today or yesterday. Still training with them. The really, the really amazing thing was that the Paraguay manager said that he had not heard anything from Newcastle's side asking him to be sent home. No, but uh, I think from all accounts, it seems like Almiron played really, really well. I saw the penalty that he won. It was a typical Almiron run. Just got his head down, glided past players, and then got pushed over. Do we feel uh, we're getting the best out of Almiron at Newcastle? Because I think he, when he came no. in, in in January. Under Benitez, that that final half of the season, we were so impressive at that that front three of mm-hmm. Perez, Rondon, and himself. I'm just wondering whether Newcastle will be better off just going with the front three and, and being a bit more attacking. It's always a, a difficulty with um, Armon that do you play him out on that left hand side where he is so clearly brilliant, or do you play him in a more centralised role um, where again he can do absolutely excellent work? Our system at the moment doesn't suit him because um, he's not really good defensively as as we've seen this season so far. He gives away sloppy free kicks and the ball away, which obviously led to two of the goals um, two weeks ago. But what really is his, his, his amazing thing is his work rate and that's yeah. what makes us fall in love with him. Um, the answer to your question is no, we're not seeing the best out of him. As um, like We've all seen the compilations while he was at, at Atlanta, um, him scoring free kicks winning penalties, scoring for fun and doing that. Yes, the, the MLS is a completely different league to the to the Premier League, but you can sense that against them smaller teams of West Brom and um, the newly promoted size, you, you could let him just have that little bit of more freedom and be on an equal setting to Alan St. Maximum. Yeah, I, I just feel that as much as the hard work he offers in the centre of midfield, it just totally neglects what he's actually good at, which is running at players, getting at players and getting in behind and getting fullbacks on yeah. the turn. And it, it it showed against Walls where he just has those lapses of concentration, where he thinks he's further up the pitch, where he can afford to lose the ball and you just can't when you're a centre midfielder. I mean, he's done it against Southampton. I know, I think everybody jumped on his back when Che Adams scored that wonderful goal it was, but it was his mistake. But the first thing I thought was, why is he in that position? He's not a mm-hmm. defensive midfielder. Why? Why have we got him? Why have we got him there? We've got Isaac Hayden sitting on the bench, who can is clearly a much better defensive-minded player than Almiron. Mm. It, yeah. it just defies belief for me why he's in that position. That moves on to a third player who also played in the internationals um, of Jeff Hendrick, who has <laughs> not had a great season at all, um, but starts every week. So I was just going to come on to there. Uh, obviously, played for Ireland, got battered by England three 0 didn't have the best of games and then played against Wales, had an even worse game, got sent off. And then just reading the replies to the uh, tweet that Ireland put out at the full time, they were just saying the best thing about this international break is that Jeff Hendrick is suspended. And I think that just sums it up how he's just a. Uh, I think Chris Woff said it really well for the Athletic. He's just a meh player. You just don't really know what he is. He's just kind of there. I mean, th- them two games that he's played in the internationals, they kind of epitomise how well his season's gone so far. 
he started brilliant against West Ham. I thought he was an excellent signing, took his goal well, got the assist. But after that, yeah, playing him out on the right-hand side is, is just another thing that just doesn't make sense. He's clearly not the quickest of players. We've not really seen him do anything other than pass the ball back to the centre-half. I'm sure he is a, a, there is a decent player in there. There clearly is. He was solid for Burnley. But playing him out on the right-hand side is just a no-go when you've got the likes of St Maxim and Ryan Fraser who can all you know, have much handier players in that position. Yeah, he just doesn't fit in with the rest of the attacking players. That's why I think if you're going to play him, it's got to be as a centre-mid, but then yeah. we're just overloaded with centre-midfielders at the minute. Yeah, as Harry said at the beginning of the season, he was off to a fly and we, we were all rubbing our hands together and went, wait, we got him for free. How did this happen? Yeah. <laughs> We'd get a player for ten million of this quality, and then obviously we've seen why Burnley didn't offer him a new deal or why he didn't accept one at Burnley is because there are lapses of serious judgment in what you would expect as as a serious player. He doesn't have his position nailed down already. His his experience. I can see why Steve Bruce likes him because he is a typical Steve Bruce footballer from what we've seen throughout Bruce's career. But yeah, no. It, he shouldn't be playing out in that right-hand side and um, I think we've got better options in the centre of the park than him. He is a squad player if we've got injuries and he can do a job as we've seen but I don't think he should be starting week in, week out. He was brought I in think, to replace yeah. Nabil Bentaleb, wasn't he? That's what, I think that's what we all thought he, he was coming in to completely yeah. come in and be a, be a backup central midfielder and he's ended up starting on the right-hand side which when he arrived at Newcastle he kind of turned around and said I do not want to be playing on the right-hand side I want to come Mm -hmm. here and play in the middle of the park and he's not done that I mean still he is nowhere near as bad as Nabil Bentaleb he was honestly horrendous to watch he was a very strange player we have history of that though we have history of signing um, loan players to our squad that we're, we're like oh on paper he looks really good and then like we see him play two and three games and we're just like, why is he here? This is really strange. <laughs> like I don't really get this. It's it's confusing me. Yeah. I think to go back to your point, Alex, when you said he's such a Steve Bruce player, he reminds me of is it uh, Brady. He's at Burnley, he used to play for Hull. Probably Brady, Bruce. yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. He just reminds him him got no pay- no pace, but plays on the wing and just does a job and he's just kind of there. Especially when like as you guys have already said, we're overloaded in that area anyway. Like we've got two two young local lads that can do a better job than Jeff Hendrick, and um, one of the best passers in the Premier League in John Joe Shelby when he can be bothered. So like, I don't really see where Jeff Hendrick fits in that thing. But do you think that's why Hendrick's getting to start the Wallachs? Because Shelby is so unreliable. We all know, as you you've just kind of said, there he is one of the one of the best passers in the league on his day. But when is his day? I mean, I'm, I think I'm probably the furthest away you could be from a Shelby fan. I really don't think he's a, a good player. I think he's, for how much he gets paid as well, I think he's he's uh, doing really well for himself to <laughs> to seem like he's a saviour. You see all these people saying, this is what happens when Shelby's out. It's just not true. It's, we're, we're just not a good team at the minute, no matter who plays in the centre midfield. Only good centre midfielder we've got, in my opinion, is Isaac Hayden. Yeah consistently performs very well, does his job, breaks up play and knows his role. And guess where he's sat? <laughs> on the substitute on the bench. bench. <laughs> Unbelievable. So, on to the next one. Uh, only two players left. There was Fabian Shaw, uh, played in the 2-1 defeat to Belgium. Was only a friendly. Don't think he did anything amazing, didn't do anything horrific. But then, weirdly, I was having a look, he wasn't even in the squad for the one all draw against Spain in the Nations League 
which I thought was quite odd. Wasn't even on the bench. Has he maybe got an injury? Because he's he's Mr. Reliable for uh, for Switzerland. He usually plays in central midfield. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. But then I had a look, quick look on Twitter and everything. I couldn't see anything. Mm. So it was quite odd. And then uh, just Emil Kraft, uh, unused sub in both games. A bit like Not surprising, then, really. It? Yeah. Yeah, what do you lads think of Emil Kraft? He's a very weird player. Yeah, unusual. He, some some games he looks really solid. Like I look at him, I'm like you're actually a good player. Then other games he's just horrific. A bit like Mankiw, I think. See, I rate Mankiw. I think he's one of. I think Jacob Murphy at the minute is our best wing back that we've got. Mm-hmm. But I'd rate Mankiw above any other fullback we've got. At, oh at yeah. The club. If you just watch Mankiw, like Mankiw could have like ten, fifteen really decent games, and then he has one atrocious one, and you're just like, that's why you. You, you are your careers went how it's went. <laughs> that's why you're at Newcastle. <laughs> uh, that's why you went from Atletico Madrid all the way to Sunderland in Newcastle. Because right, for Manquillo, he really reminds me of um, Alberto Moreno, obviously the ex-Liverpool fullback. Without the pace, I like, imagine. Yeah. <laughs> yes, without the pace. But um, I, he, he's just, uh, again, he's another one of these weird misfit players that doesn't really fit into anybody's ethos because he's not a wing back and he's not a conventional fullback. Um, like whereas I, I personally think Kraft is kind of a more conventional fullback who just hasn't had that 12 15 game spree in a team really. I think the longest we saw him in the Newcastle starting 11 was towards the end of last season at Project Restart. I think that was all mainly down to DeAndre Evan as well. I mean, I think he's been looking for a move all summer. Wasn't able to get one. I know he was linked with Crystal Palace last January, and I think it's expected he's going to get himself away in January. And what's your guys' thoughts on on Yedlin? Because he's quick. He's another player that's very very good on his day, but he's he's just not showed that form for us, has he? No, he, he's he's been all right. We didn't pay much from, did we? No, a couple million. million uh, so I think I think, I think we've we've definitely got one money's worth. He's he did really well in the championship. Yeah. I have to say, if he wasn't as quick as what he was, he would be nowhere near uh, a Premier League player. Oh, his pace bails him out. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I do like him. If he could cross a ball, he would be a much better player as well. But I think he's been all right. I think that's why he's the... looking to go to Turkey next. Interesting move. I think he'd kind of fit the like the Galatasaray sort of, like you're getting near yeah. the end of your career and go and play He'll the have two, three years there and then go back to... Seattle, which he clearly wants to do. Has there been a fallout between him and Bruce that I've just missed? Because I I don't think Steve Bruce where, is the type manager is to fall out with players. I think the relationship that the Bruce has got with the players is very, very good, and that's why I don't. That's another reason I don't think Newcastle will part ways with Bruce unless new owners do eventually come in. But I, I don't think Bruce is the type manager that's going to be falling out with players. Yeah, from what I've seen and and heard and read, it was that Yedlin wanted to leave. Newcastle wanted him to leave. There was offers on the table, but just nothing happened. So I don't know who's, what what happened. Uh, but there was offers, and he he's still here. I think it was a very everyone expected him to leave. He expected to leave, and he's still here. So I, I think they're all all happy that he's still here because he's something happens. He's a he's a half decent player. But so looking ahead to Chelsea. We are the early kickoff on Saturday on BT, I believe. And a few things looking from Chelsea's point of view. We've got Chilwell who limped off. Don't know how serious that is. But someone who apparently played really well 
the internationals was N'Golo Kante. Uh, according to Get French Football, the, the Twitter account, quite reliable, they said it was the best performance they'd seen from him since he moved to England. I know he got the winning goal, and it was against Portugal, and apparently he was really good, so that doesn't doesn't bode well for us, but we do sometimes, we either do well against Chelsea at home, or we seem to get battered, and it's normally the, uh, the former we do against them at home. Make no mistake about it this weekend, if Chelsea come up even 50%, they're uh, their usual best that they're going to turn us over this weekend, unfortunately. Yeah, the, the, that, the attacking players that they've got are just different level. Unbelievable. No matter how well we defend, I can't see. I personally can't see we're getting anything from the game. But I remember when we played them at home last season, didn't think we'd get anything, and we ended up scoring a 90th minute winner from Isaac Hayden, of all people. So I was there, and uh, we got hammered for the whole game. Parked the mm-hmm. bus, done no attacking at all, and then all of a sudden, we got a late, <laughs> late corner in Isaac yeah. Hayden's. Propped up and won us the game, but that, I think that kind of summed up what Newcastle were last season and a bit what they're like this season. A team that doesn't play well but gets results and gets the job done. Yeah, and that's I did a piece uh, last week, I think it was on Vavil, that Bruce is doing what he was brought in to do. He's stabilising the club, he's winning games, and he's keeping all the squad happy. But he's just uh, he's just not the right man, and it's just so weird to say it when. You look at his record, like he's he's done well. I feel like um, I feel like Luke Edwards now defending Bruce. I think with with the pundits as well. I think they kind of just see the results of Newcastle. They go the thirteenth in the league. They've not got an amazing yeah. team. They've got a solid side. What's the problem with Steve Bruce? They're not seeing the horrendous football we're playing week in week out. We've got a hundred million pound attack. We've got Callum Wilson up front, twenty million pound signing, who somehow has scored six goals this season. He barely touches the ball all game, and we we I, like the Southampton game horrendous, overrun in midfield, completely bossed by a team. I'd like to see we're on similar similar level to Southampton, and they made us look like amateurs out there at, at the weekend. The difference between us and us and Southampton are um, they looked at where their flaws were uh, last season. They got battered man nil. They then uh, what a lot of people don't realize is they then went on lost half a dozen games after the nine nil. They were on a seven-game losing streak, and then Hassan Hotel changed everything around what they have, and what they were. And Steve Bruce knows what our limitations are. Went into the summer knowing what our limitations are. We didn't score enough goals. He bought a twenty million pound striker who, as I said, has managed to score six goals, uh, three of which have been penalties, um, and doing quite well. But nothing about this team excites you. That like, there's nothing. We've got Alan St. Maximin, who is one of the more dynamic footballers in the entire Premier League, and some games he he looks like he's the best player in the world, and other games he looks like he's a League Two footballer. The the inconsistency across it sums up Steve Bruce's entire managerial record, as as both of you said. But we're stable, we're consistent. We're just lasting every attacking dynamic statistic you can possibly bring up. I think it, it draws back to the tactic board, though, doesn't it? I think watching that game against Southampton, it was very clear. Southampton had a clear plan of what they're going to do, and they utilised it. And I think for half the time with Newcastle, they think they'd honestly just told to go out there and go, go on, lads, have a kick about, and hopefully we can get a goal. Yeah, and on on one of the players he's just touched on was Alan St. Maximan. How do Newcastle get the best 
out of him because he played on the wing, did pretty well, said he wanted to play as a number 10 or as a second striker, has done that and has been honestly quite horrific in the games he's played centrally. So how do you get the best out of him as well as playing the likes of Fraser and Almiron and possibly Joe Linton? We'd have to change the formation. I think that would be the first thing. With St Maxwell, I think we've clearly seen against Brighton, he's not going to get back and defend, and that's why we've got to be 3 0. Tariq mm-hmm. Lampley ran rings around Jamal Lewis, and that was the issue. So I think you're going to have to play him in a 4 3 3. You're going to have to give him three solid holding midfielders around him that can then almost do all the dirty work for him. And all we want St Maxwell to do is get the ball and bring a bit of magic, which we've seen him do against mm-hmm. Burnley. No, I completely agree. I think a 4 3 3 formation suits this Newcastle United team um, down. I think if you even if you have just two holding midfielders and allow Miguel Almiron that freedom to do whatever he wants in midfield and whether them two holding midfielders are Sean Longstaff and Isaac Hayden or you push Fabian Schaar up into that holding midfield role as as you've said he, he does for Switzerland um, and his international side and has done it previously in his career and just allow like the team to kind of that forward four to just express themselves and go and run rampant. Obviously, you have Callum Wilson and obviously for bigger games where you're against bigger defenders like the Chelsea game, Joe Linton and his physicality would be a welcome input. I don't know about you, but I feel that Callum Wilson might be a better striker as just a lone striker. He seems to want all the space. He wants to run in behind, come short, hold off the defenders. So I don't know... Does he need wingers? Does he need someone to play off him? What do you What do you think? Well, in a four four two that we've seen him play at Bournemouth, he had the big lad next to him. He had Josh King or he had Dom Solanke. He he kind of ruled off him, and I think Joe Linton could probably do that role. You don't want to give him. You don't want to put Joe Linton in a four four two and go right, Joe. We want twenty goals a season out of you because he's simply not going to get that. He's not a goal scorer. Mm-hmm. But we've established that, but he just needs someone to hold the ball up and play him in. And we've done that against West Ham. Played the four four two. Him and Carroll up front, but we all know Andy Carroll's not got the legs to, to play 90 minutes. But then you could bring in Ryan Fraser uh, in, into the fold there. Them two work very well together. We've seen against Everton and we've seen in the 18-19 season at, at Bournemouth how many goals and assists them two got between each other. So I think utilising uh, maybe even a 4-4-2 and, and just switching the formation up. I feel we need to try something new. The five at the back's kind of worked as of recently. It's kind of solved the, the defensive mishaps. Fabian Char's been able to come back into the side. We all know he's not great in a, in a back four. Very decent in a back five. We've seen that under Benitez. But I think we need a little bit more attack and prowess. I don't think we'll get relegated. I don't. I think the team's too good to go down. I know we've we've heard that cliche before. But if we want to push top ten or even go any higher than that, we've got to score, score more goals. Yeah, I, I think a 4-3-3 could be good with, with Hayden Holden. And then possibly, I'd say Sean Long. I like Sean Long's stuff. Not as Southampton, he wasn't very good, but I think he's good. I'll really like him in a number 10 as well. But I think he can do a job in the midfield. And then if, if you get Allen out wide and Fraser on the other wing, it could be it could be a recipe for success, I think. No, I completely agree. That is a magic recipe for success there. You've got the hometown lad the fans can get behind every week in, in the actual setup there as well in Sean Longstaff. And that's what you need, really. You need the fans on the side of the team because we are all Newcastle fans as well as um, writers and we can, we can all say that sometimes it is really difficult to really like this team. Just to add on one final point to what we were just talking about when we're looking ahead to Chelsea, Callum Wilson went off against Southampton 
with what looked like a hamstring injury. Never a good. Always tell when a hamstring injury looks quite bad. Didn't seem too serious. Haven't heard anything from Newcastle over the international break, which would make you think it's not too serious. All we can say is if Callum Wilson doesn't play for Newcastle in any games, we, we've we lost. Yep. I think Angus <laughs> would agree with that. Do we want him to yeah. play at the weekend, though? If, if we're being brutally honest, do we do we want him to play against Chelsea? Because I think it's going to be a bit of a similar state at Southampton where he's going to touch the ball six times. Are we not better yeah, off just putting I'm, Andy Carroll up front? Yeah, I'm not too bothered. Or if you even play with a, a false nine of Almiron or something and just get him to chase the defenders down for a bit. And I think you just write Saturday off, really. Yep. Damage limitation. two big men. Well, Joan yeah. and Carroll. Saying, yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing that. Yeah, potentially. Now we're on out wide. Uh, uh, as well as uh, Alan St. Maximin, have them both on the wings, play 4 4 2 and Hayden, and uh, whether it's Shelby or Longstaff in the, in, in the back. And then oh, we'll get rinsed defensively, though, Alex. Yeah, we would. We would. That's what, that, that's what I'm thinking. I'm just thinking off the top of my head. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're going to have to stop Ziek, Werner, and whoever the hell they've paid £100 million for as well in the summer. Yeah, I don't think we've got much of a chance at the weekend, boys. But this is Newcastle United. These are the sort of games where we somehow pull the rabbit out the hat and get a result. So we all live in hope, don't we? But I think going back to the original point is I don't really want Callum Wilson to play unless he's 100%. Because we have seen uh, Steve Bruce is guilty in the past of, of playing players that, that are um, not 100% fit. And on the other news, which is a bit more exciting than, than what usually goes on the pitch at Newcastle, there's a new kit deal in the pipeline, which is getting some very strong rumours in the local media. And the company is Castor. Hope I've I've said that right. The only sponsor uh, make kits for Rangers in the SPL, and it's not rumoured to be a very big money deal. But the kits that they make for Rangers, I think, are very nice. And to me. That's all that really matters from a kit manufacturer if they make a nice kit. I'm really looking forward to getting this this new sponsor in. I like it's a bit of a unique brand. I know a lot of Newcastle fans will turn around and go, oh, it's Tin Pot. We should be having mm-hmm. Nike or Adidas. And Yeah, maybe mm-hmm. we should, but we're going to get a kit sponsor here, a, a brand that's going to focus specifically on the club. We're going to get bespoke made kits for the club, and that's what we want. We want the, the best quality kits. And with the Pumas, the Nikes and the Adidas of the, of the world, they just use templates from previous clubs. I think the away kit we've got this season is, is modelled off Man City's away kit from two years ago, the, the yellow one. Yeah, it probably is. I, I would like Adidas as a sponsor again in the future. I just I love the kits that they make for Arsenal. The last two years have been have been beautiful, I think. Yeah. The, the problem is with the likes of Adidas now, they only really make, like, cr- they create the kits for the big clubs. I think they'll just yeah. go, all right, Newcastle have got a sponsor, right? Let's get uh, let's get Leicester City's kid from three years ago and give them that as an away shirt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this Castor is, was uh, founded by two two people from Liverpool Brothers. Uh, Andy Murray has a stake in them and they design all his clothes for his tennis matches, training, whatever. Um, but the Rangers kids do look very smart and um definitely looking forward to it if it's true it, it seems quite true and would be an interesting steps i saw in the chronicle that they were saying that a retro kit would be something that castor would consider for next season 
I'll be I'll be a big fan of that. I think getting Castora and something new. I think we've been after a, a new kit sponsor for a while. I know the Puma deal was up last summer. Then they, you know, done an ex- extension. But mm-hmm. going back to the brand themselves, they've had a bit of a bit of a got a bit of a reputation with the Rangers fans in terms of the quality of the kits. A mm-hmm. lot of them are breaking in the wash. So yeah. hopefully they can uh, get that sorted for when Newcastle uh, roll into town. I did have a, a sneaky little look on their website of of Castor and their um, premium sport elegance and a full tracksuit uh, that's including top and bottoms would set you back two hundred and sixty quid. <laughs> I know they've got a Rangers um, retro kit, and that's um, I think the charge on fans ninety five pound for that. Yep, so I'm gonna have to bring the prices down for us. We already have the most expensive kit in the Premier League. <laughs> So I think that will be a good place to end it. Good way to come back in, just looking at the internationals, looking forward to Chelsea. And final thing I'll say is ask for your predictions for the game on Saturday, Harry. Ooh, off the top of my head, I'm going to go Newcastle nil, Chelsea 2. Alex? Uh, I'm going to go a little bit worse than that. I'm going to go Newcastle United nil, Chelsea 3. I think it's going to be 1 nil Chelsea. And we'll be very lucky and they'll score like the last minute or something. So that is all from myself, Alex and Harry on this episode of Time Warp. Just want to say thank you for listening. Uh, Be sure to check out Vavil UK for all the coverage for the Premier League, AFL and women's football over the coming week and especially this weekend. And we'll see you next time. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.